We are making changes on an active military base. Because of that, we are giving back and providing for our active duty. And I gotta say that is one of the most exciting and unique parts of OSG is it's also giving back to retirees, veterans, recovering warriors. They're getting used to different lifestyles with different abilities and the family. But the part of giving back to active duty, that takes a lot of, I call it patience and persistence. That's one of my, one of my other mottos but it's so very, very rewarding. It's a group of individuals who never come across one that bangs their fists and demands a bunch of stuff, but the looks on their faces of appreciation and knowing what's coming down the pipe to their base, it's really exciting. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us and please subscribe, rate and review the show on either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Jennifer Poth, who is the founder, chairman and CEO of Operation Support Military Golf, or OSMG. Operation Support Military Golf's purpose and passion is reviving the golf courses that revitalize our heroes. Jennifer's vision for the OSMG is to serve all of our past, present, and future service members and their families stationed at or residing near all U.S. military golf facilities, both stateside and abroad, with groundbreaking facility upgrades. I had the chance to meet Jennifer and her dad at National Golf Day in Washington, D.C. back in April, and after hearing the Operation Support Military Golf story, I knew immediately that this is one story our listeners needed to hear. So, Jennifer, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you, Colin. Happy to be with y'all and your listeners. Oh, thanks so much, Jennifer. So Jennifer, let, let's start our conversation off with you telling our listeners and me a bit about yourself and your connection with the game of golf. All right. Well, my family, we're a military family, uh, Air Force specifically. My dad served 26 years and uh, mom didn't serve in uniform, but she definitely served because she held down the fort during dad's Vietnam multiple deployments. I was too young to be a part of that. But I was definitely grateful Dad made it back from his deployments or I wouldn't be here talking with you today. So I'm glad his B-52 and the crew stayed safe and got home. But with that, I even though I only was born at the former Wordsmith Air Force Base and then raised at the former in Michigan and then raised in Austin, Texas at the former Bertram Air Force Base, I still have just such an appreciation for our military and I, I just love the atmosphere of it. And to carry that love and appreciation even further, and the reason that I didn't follow in the quote-unquote normal senses of service is I was born with an adrenal disorder. It's adrenal hyperplasia, but in short, it's called an adrenal disorder. So you're, and mostly everybody out there, because it's pretty rare, bodies naturally make cortisone. I have to take a synthetic pill to create that cortisone. So that crossed me off since birth in, in service. But with that said, I spent many, many days at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio nearby to Austin. And I literally feel I owe my life to the doctors of the Air Force. So my giving back is both service and give back to them for what they've done for me and also for the great game of golf. So since I couldn't serve in uniform, I was lucky enough that dad learned the game of golf coincidentally while in the Air Force in his late 30s, I believe. He gave it a shot with me to see if I'd be interested in it around age five or six. And it's obvious to say I ate it up. 
So I, I loved playing and we grew a, an amazing relationship. You know, I tell that to anybody who has son or daughter, but especially daughters, sometimes the father's trying to figure out how to connect with their daughters. And I say, get them to play golf because you'll have an amazing relationship. You spend either two hours for nine or four hours for 18 with somebody, even if it's just once a week or every other week or whatever you can, you spend that kind of quality time with somebody. And it's only natural that you're going to have a relationship that's a lot closer than just a more platonic relationship. So anyway, I did that and uh, keep fast forwarding. I just loved it and played in high school and made the commitment and desire to play in college. And then I was being recruited to play in college. My first recruiting visit was to Texas A&M in College Station, Texas, and they sold me quickly. They marched in the Corps Cadets during the football game and just the whole military aspect just loyalty and tradition that's affiliated with Texas A&M was a seller for me. So I signed my letter of intent, got back home, told my other offers, thank you, but no, thank you. And that was really the ultimate beginning of me pursuing a continued lifetime in golf. Now to expand on that, when we had an earlier conversation at National Golf Day, you had also mentioned there was a very poignant moment, an event that crystallized or was a catalyst to bring together you wanting to do something at that time, not knowing what that was, but you had mentioned that to me. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And I definitely know what you're referring to. I'll back up just a hair. While at Texas A&M, I was there during 9-11. And ironically, I was leaving class, headed back to my apartment to pick up my luggage to hop on an airplane to fly to a golf tournament. Driving back to my apartment, the first tower was struck. Got back to my apartment, saw the second tower get struck, that this was no accident. And then it was a matter of what do we do? Do we cancel? Do we not go? And and our team was committed to, and I know many Americans feel the same way, we were committed to keep living the lives we live in freedom and doing what we do and what we do best and not letting terrorists change our way of life. So we as Aggies decided we're going to continue. We're going to play our golf tournament. We rented a bus, drove to our tournament, I believe it was in New Mexico, picked up two or three colleges on the way because there's only about anywhere from five, six or seven players on a team. So there was plenty of room to pack up the bus. And that's what we did. We played our tournament. But I also watched my classmates. A lot of them were eventually going to be committed to the military. That's part of being in the Corps at AM. But they went their education for the time, went active duty immediately. And I, I was a part of all that. So, But at that time, I knew for me and, and the best service I could do would be to stay in school. So I did that. But what you're referring to is you fast forward to April 15, 2013, the Boston terrorist attack, and all those emotions that were in 2001 came flooding back to me in 2013 of, Jenny, you want to give back, but how do you give back when all you know since age five is golf? I mean, even my undergraduate and graduate degrees are sports management, and I couldn't figure out the connection of a lifetime in golf with giving back to our military until that day. I'm sitting on my back porch, ticked off at what I'm watching on the TV and what's going on in our country again. Yes. And it clicked. I'm a faithful person. I just feel that God, he put it all together for me on that day. And I realized you played a lot of golf. You played Air Force and now living in Florida, you played Navy and Marine Corps and three trips to DC back and forth, Army as well. And you know why are the courses looking the way they're looking? Right. So it started clicking and I started, I did a little diligent research and my father gave me some access to the base to start asking them questions. And that's when I found out in 2011, so two years prior, the appropriated funding, so tax dollar funding for military golf, which falls under MWR, Morale, Welfare and Recreation, was cut 100% for stateside 
and really dwindled down to a bare bone minimum for overseas. So that explained really quickly to me why the conditions of the courses themselves and the associated facilities were starting to look their age. And so it was all wheels in motion. And I got so excited because I finally found a way to make that connection of the great game of golf, giving back to our, our great servicemen and women. So it seems like that inflection point, all these things colliding and coming together and intersecting between wanting to give back from a community service point of view to, to events that were going on in the country and your love and desire to serve the military, but not able to do that for medical reasons personally. And then your love of golf, it seems like all these things were all coming together. So with that, maybe you could expand for our listeners to let them know the magnitude of the opportunity here to help, starting with how many bases, both in the in the U.S. U.S. stateside and internationally have golf courses as part of the military facility that are running into disrepair. All of them need, I haven't visited all 145 of them, but I'm confident just based on when they were all created that every golf course could use assistance of some kind. What's exciting about that is golf is unique in that every facility and course are different. So there won't be anything cookie cutter about this. There'll be uniqueness to all of them. I guess golf is somewhat similar to baseball in that regard, that every field in baseball is different as well. But to answer your specific question, there are 145 total. Obviously, we have a lot more military bases than 145 throughout the world, but that is strictly ones with golf facilities on them. So 118 of them are stateside. And the remaining 27 are overseas, scattered about 11, some of them are in multiple countries, but 11 additional countries. So that's how vast it is. And that's why it's really all hands on deck. Any company or person that wants to be involved, whether it be monetarily or in kind, this is one heck of an endeavor. And we'd appreciate anyone that's interested being involved because more than likely it's right there in your own backyard or for sure your own state. <laughs> Right, right. So Operation Support Military Golf is a nonprofit, but you are treating this as a startup. So with that, with any startup, you have to start with, as we call the minimal viable product or start somewhere and figure it out and get it right and have that as an example and expand from there. So Jennifer, with that, please tell us where you are looking to have as your first course that you're going to help refurbish. Okay, and I'll, I'll back up just a hair as far as how it even took place, because I know that people are pretty surprised at that. We had to go and get approvals from every branch. Um, they all work together, right? but yet they all have their own little intricacies of detail. Right. And so we went and got branch by branch approval to move forward. And then we did make the selection on our first inaugural upgrade, which is scheduled to break ground this summer. The grass needs to be planted, I'm told, by mid-August in order to be stabilized before the winter rolls in. But it's going to be at Naval Station Mayport here in Jacksonville, Florida, which is our headquarters. This is such a learning and groundbreaking endeavor for both OSMG and the military, receiving it's considered a gift of this magnitude right. that we wanted to select the base that was close by to be really at each other's disposal in a moment's notice. So we went with Naval Station Mayport in Jacksonville, Florida, and the process, it does go all the way to the Secretary of the Navy for approval. So at first, the request went to the base commander, base commander approved, and it went to region region approved, and it went to Washington to the secretary. The biggest reason for that is because we are making changes on an active military base, 
because of that, we are giving back and providing for our active duty. And I got to say, that is one of the most exciting and unique parts of OSG is it's also giving back to retirees, veterans, recovering warriors. They're getting used to different lifestyles with different abilities and the families. But the part of giving back to active duty, that takes a lot of, I call it patience and persistence. That's one of my, right. one of my other mottos. But it's so very, very rewarding. It's a group of individuals who never, never come across one that bangs their fists and demands a bunch of stuff. But the looks on their faces of appreciation and knowing what's coming down the pipe to their base, it's really exciting. So that's where we're excited. And we got our approval and we are already moving forward because the process up that chain of command takes time. We're moving forward with our second upgrade in the approval process part of it. While the third's moving at Mayport, is going to be at McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. Florida. So we're excited about that one as well. Got it. Well, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations on breaking ground this summer. So I'm also interested to know, how do you go about raising money right now, not only in raising awareness, and if you could even share with us what type of a budget you have for your first refurbishment that's going to start this summer? I'd be happy to, so so everybody can kind of know where we're at and where we're trying to get to. Because every course is unique, they're all going to have their unique upgrades. But in specifically, I'll speak of Naval Station Mayport. The goal of OSMG, just out of the gate, and what's exciting and also, you know, I guess you could say a little scary too, but more exciting is that there is no playbook. We're writing it as we go. And, and so we put a broad goal of a million dollar upgrade. Right. And the reason we came up with a million is to be large enough to make a golf course if spent wisely, however, hopefully small enough to be attainable. And I say that because you see million here, billion there floating around in the news and everything. So hopefully it is attainable. I guess one other thing I left out regarding how the money's spent, OSMG is seeing the project through from start to finish. We are not just presenting uh, one of those big checks in the amount of a million dollars over to a particular course or base or branch. We are facilitating that money to go towards the upgrades. So we're seeing it through, which is exciting because then we get to see the whole project from start to finish and be involved with our military. And they actually preferred it too. They were very excited that we're going about it that way as well. So at Mayport, there are three specific needs. And this was like a roundtable discussion. This was involving if they have a GM and the superintendent and the pro and, and OSMG. And right. we got a group of their regular players together for a Q&A. So it's a very roundtable. It's not OSMG just coming in and dictating orders or anything. I, I don't want anybody to think it's in that case. Got it. So we came to the consensus that at that base, the three big ticket items in need are a practice facility, they currently have a driving range, but we are looking to expand it and add on to it, enlarging their current putting green and adding undulation, and then totally creating from scratch a chipping, pitching bunker area. So we're really redeveloping their entire practice facility. And I think it's going to be a later question of yours, but I got to give props to the designers of that is Arnold Palmer Design Company and the specific architect is Brandon Johnson. And then implementing that's going to be McCurick Golf Construction. So we're very excited about that. Right. And then the other two items are they're in need of two new on-course restrooms. So demolish the current ones. I'll let people's imagination figure what roughly a 50-year-old restroom facility looks like. There's like so many band-aids you can put on things. So that was two. And then the third is a new cart barn. Currently, a quarter of their fleet sits outside in the elements, and it's old. So let alone just replacing it all together, but also being able to accommodate their entire fleet. 
which they do own. They don't rent. So it's even more valuable to them. Right. So those are the three majors. And then across the board, I'm seeing pretty much majority of the courses need new hole signs, T-markers, ball washers. Those are added things. Before we move on to some of the other questions I wanted to ask you here, when you're actually getting partners to help you, like you said, with Arnold Palmer Design and the others that you mentioned, as services in kind, I'm assuming, that they're giving you Are they helping offset costs by jumping in and offering their services for such a wonderful endeavor? That is. And that's where we are so grateful and doing amazingly. And that was actually part of your first question that I neglected to answer. I guess you could kind of break down what we're doing as both need for in-kind as well as monetary. And from an in-kind standpoint, we've been fully embraced and can't thank enough the Architect Society, the Builders Association, the Superintendents Association. They understand the value of not only golf, but specifically military golf and what it brings and how many people it introduces to the game that continue it on well beyond their service years. I know my family is an example of that. So they've been doing great. And for example, Brandon Johnson of Honor Palmer Design, he personally donated his time and his talent to create these amazing drawings and all the details that go into it. There's so much to it. And there's a price to that. Absolutely. So I guess what I'm trying to explain is the in-kind counts towards that million-dollar upgrade because these all have prices behind them. It's just these groups and people are providing that service that they're great at to give back. If we have a second, I'd love to tell that story of how Mr. Palmer's team got involved. Go for it. Okay. It was a cold call. I knew we were looking to do a practice facility. We needed pros to do it. I was thinking the best of the best. And Mr. Palmer popped into my head, and this was all before his passing. So I called the number online on the website to Arnold Palmer Design Company, and lo and behold, Brandon Johnson answered. And he's one of the two senior architects. And right there, I was already blown away because... I'm so used to working with our military and chains of command that that to get the senior architect right out of the gate was a plus just for the call. (laughs) It must have blown you away, yeah. It did, and so I told him, Mr. Johnson, I'm calling because I know Mr. Palmer served in our military, so perhaps he'd have a connection to what we're trying to do here. I know Orlando is fairly close to Jacksonville area. And then I said to him, and I I go, Brandon, I know this is going to sound a little crazy maybe, but I said, it's Mr. Palmer, and he has an army. (laughs) I'll never in my life forget Brandon kind of chuckling, and he said, no, you're absolutely right. He goes, that's why I do what I do, and I love working for Mr. Palmer and his company, and you hit the nail on the head. And I gave him the whole cold call spiel of OSMG and what we're trying to do, and and that was it. He jumped on board and his partner Thad as well has. Brandon specifically doing the Mayport project, but his partner at Arnold Palmer Design, Thad Layton, is fully embraced it. And he participated in one of our golf events we had at Mayport. The response they gave is, this is awesome. We get to do what we do, which is draw. And we're trying to figure out a way, how can architectural golf drawings get back to our military? And you've provided that link for us. And they even said that we tried this a handful of years ago, but it all just kind of dissipated because there is so much to it. There's just the process. And they said, if OSMG is out there now and and able and willing to go through that whole process where companies, all they have to do is just jump on board through OSMG to provide these services. He said, I can't speak for everybody, but we're in. 
So they, they jumped in immediately. And that's where a lot of the in-kind has come from. It's people knowing that they can just communicate with OSMG and we'll get it all done and we'll facilitate the approvals and the base access and everything to get this going. So to answer your question, Colin, we're doing great from the in-kind. Always would love more. All hands on deck for the practice facility. We're grateful that Profile has already contributed their products towards this upgrade. And we hope and look forward that more companies, sand, turf, sprinkler heads, all of that is an option on the table for in-kind contribution. But then on the other side of the coin is the monetary, and there's really no way of getting around it. I have personally put in my savings and my personal income, well, prior, I should say, saved in towards getting off the ground. And my father has committed as well, and I should definitely say my mom for that matter, because of their love for the game and love for our country and continued service to our country. And there's been other contributions, which we're grateful for because the word is getting out more. So that's another reason I can't thank you enough for having us on your podcast with Mod Golf, because it continues to spread the word and hopefully continue to generate contributions from all civilians out there. What is there? Roughly 300 million of us. Absolutely. So that would be huge. And then events like National Golf Day help us connect with more the corporate aspect whether those corporations are in the game of golf or just understand and appreciate the values that golf teaches combined with giving back to our military. Well, I wanted to ask you a bit about that when I did meet you at National Golf Day. Well, first of all, congratulations on that awesome cold call and making that happen <laughs> there. It sounds like you are truly an entrepreneur. You're uh, willing to get out there and you made that happen. So perhaps for more in-kind provisions there, you just need to get a pick up the phone and keep phoning people because it sounds like you have a talent to make that happen and a great story to actually tell that. So you did share with us some of the partners that are helping propel you forward with Operation Support Military Golf. And it sounds like you're really just scratching the surface here. Can you tell us a bit about your experience when you and I met a couple of weeks ago at National Golf Day in Washington, D.C.? Can you describe that experience for you and perhaps some new potential partners and relationships that you met there that will help you in the future? The experience is just personally really like the city of Washington, D.C. And I don't mean all the dysfunction side of it. I, I'm speaking the history and the monuments to all those who've made our country what it is, whether it be the Vietnam Memorial or the World War II or Korea. I mean, there's been so much sacrifice in this country. And that city, if you take the time to really walk through and soak it all in, it gives it to you. And you look at whether it be the Capitol or the Washington Monument or the White House and how the heck was all that built? It's just amazing. And that just blows my mind. And then this year, my father and I had the privilege of staying at Fort Myer, which is the home of Arlington National. I mean, that, that says it all. Walking those hallowed grounds and, and the sacrifice there that ranges from past in combat versus past at an older age after combat. But walking through there and really soaking up the names on there and, and what they represented. And yeah. for me personally, to see a tomb that has an entire flight crew on it and knowing that if my father was on one of those, I wouldn't be here. That's just wow for me. Right, right. And then this time we even experienced a full honor guard funeral. That's why I do what I do. And that's why I love it. So that's from the historical standpoint and people needing to not forget that we're still in the fight. Things may seem nice and normal here at home, but our men and women and their families in uniform that are stateside and abroad are on call in a moment's notice. And it's not always rosy on their side, like it seems on, on the civilian side. So that's the military side and why I love going to Washington. 
And then from a golf standpoint, it was just cool. Well, Steve Mona, the CEO of World Golf Foundation, has embraced what we're doing. He's been kind enough to join our advisory council recently. He told me last year that we were ready for this because the year prior to that, and I appreciated his honesty. I, I said, are we there yet? And he said, no, because I said, we really need to, to spend our funds wisely. We can't be just going on trips to be flies on walls. And he understood that. But this year, he, or last year, I should say, he said, no, you're ready. You're ready to, to take it to that next level. And, and the way you're going to do that is you need to be in front of as many people as possible in telling the OSMG story. And so that's why we went last year. And, and that's why we continued to go this year because... I mean, it's movers and shakers of golf are there and willing to hear everybody's different stories and get on board with the ones that fit their initiatives the best. Yeah. And to Steve Mona's credit, he just does not talk the talk. He walks the walk. And I know he gave you front and center a spot on the, if you want to call it demo day, where they actually had the activation on National Golf Day for all the people that were uh, across Capitol Hill, but especially in the uh, the building that we, the, that was the Rayburn building we were in, was it not? Correct. Yes, it was. Yeah, that's right. And hundreds and hundreds of people coming by and, and seeing what was going on. And I saw you engaged in conversations for the entire day there. So I'm sure that opportunity there that, that Steve helped facilitate was extremely helpful for you. It, oh, it was. It was awesome. And i uh, got to give credit to Peggy Norton as well. I know she helped facilitate mm-hmm. a lot of that with Steve. So that was greatly appreciated. And it really, it paid off. We had a lot of great conversations and people stopping in and out and been following up with them as we speak in the past couple of weeks. So hope to continue those relationships and gain support. Yeah, and I will give a shout out to Peggy Norton with We Are Golf, which is as part of the World Golf Foundation organization. And she does a tremendous job. And it does take a village. And the fact now you're connecting with all these other groups to help support you and move forward. I see now of the 145 golf courses on military bases worldwide there, you're going to start over the next couple of years. I think like like a good, strong startup, you're going to start to scale this up fairly quickly and being able to help out veterans and active service men and women right now that really need this. So I, let's dive back into that for a minute here to really talk about that, not only the pressures of while you're actually in active service, but also coming out the other side, not only physically, the scars and what could be left there, but also PTSD and the other more psychological aspects. I'm sure you must have lots of stories that you hear that inspire you that connects golf to military people, both past, present, and hopefully future, that the work that you're doing is so, so important here to get them out in a golf course, to take themselves away from what they're going through. I do, and I can give examples for, for everyone we're serving. And and as far as who OSMG and golf and military golf is serving, it's all ages. So pretty much from probably age five when I started to when your time comes, so we'll just say maybe 105 that are willing to pick up or try the game of golf. And so, for examples, for me, are active duty saying it's just a great way to reconnect with family and friends after a deployment. You know, when you have that awkwardness of reintegrating with civilian world after deployment, golf does that. It's that environment where you can talk if you want to talk. You don't necessarily have to, but you're going to be together. So you have that connection. And then military-wise, you were mentioning post-traumatic stress. You know, if you are medically retired and you have maybe your service doggy, you can bring them with you. 
So those stories, um, I've met troops getting fitted with prosthetics and they say, you know, we love our doctors. They're putting us all together, but the hospitals, that's boring rehab. I, I like my rehab on the golf course. You know, this is much more fun. So I met them. And then when it comes to in the military, it's called dependents, but AKA children, it's just a great way to connect with your kiddos. One gentleman I met played in one of our events. He came out, his wife was pushing their little son, probably younger than five, I can tell you that, in the cart. And I said, well, it'll be really neat when he's out playing with you. And he said, when? Whips out his phone, shows me a picture. He's already got his own putter. <laughs> it's awesome. Absolutely. So really every, and then for my dad's generation, for all everyone that's listening that served in Vietnam, it's a way to really say thank you because that's a group of guys and gals that did not get a thank you after their service. They were told to just come back, disappear, and it never happened. And so this is a way in, in their glory days to give them their military golf courses that they earned and put them in a condition that says thank you. Uh, it's good stuff. And that thank you, I can already imagine it in my mind here of the transformation of the first golf course you're going to be doing. I'm sorry, what was the, the name of the military base in Jacksonville again? I, I didn't catch that. It's Naval Station Mayport. Mayport. And the course is Windy Harbor Golf Club. Windy Harbor Golf Club. I can already imagine the joy and the sense of pride on all of the golfers, all the, the military personnel and veterans that are going to come there because they see that this is actually getting better. It's not actually getting worse. And I'm sure this isn't lost on you, Jennifer, that you have this opportunity for golf to be that physical manifestation or that emblem or that symbol that people care. The fact you cared enough to actually improve the golf course for them to enjoy themselves at shows that people care overall. I think there's a real opportunity for that. Yes, there is. And, and the neat part is a lot of these bases, so if you live near a base and you never served a day in your life, I encourage your listeners to please call their golf courses and ask if they have what's called MWR card, a morale, welfare, and recreation card. And that's because a lot of the military golf is opening their doors to civilian play. It's just civilians don't know about it. They don't really advertise it. They're not really allowed to, but they are opening their doors to civilian play. For instance, at Naval Station Mayport, it's a simple background, pass your background, they issue you an ID, it's free and it's good for a year. So that is another amazing way that civilians in active duty can kind of learn about each other Wonderful. and experience the same joys of, of playing the game of golf together. And, and that's so important as a society in, in all aspects of actually crossing over this whole notion of being more diverse and inclusive. The fact that you bring groups together from different walks of life, some civilians, some military, and you can share stories. And when you have these, I heard this one the other day called cultural collisions. And once you have that, then you start having conversations. And once you start having conversations, then you start sharing ideas. Everybody wins from that. Everybody from all walks of life. Oh, yeah. So, so, hey, Jennifer, while we finish up here, why don't you tell our listeners how they can find out more about Operation Support Military Golf and hopefully where they could donate a couple of dollars to help you with your cause. Will do. And I have to give another thank you along with it. They can go to our newly designed by web.com website. It's op our link is operationsupportmilitarygolf.org. And I have to give a special thank you to their founder, Mr. David Brown, who I had the pleasure of sitting down with. And we shared our stories and small world. His father was in Strategic Air Command, or SAC as it's called in the Air Force. 
So his father, my father, very similar. He grew up military golf. I'm guessing that maybe that has a lot to do with why he has his name on the developmental tour of the web.com. But it was very exciting to meet with him. He jumped on board with providing us an in-kind, complete redesign of our website, which we are so grateful because I feel it really tells the story of OSMG and what we're trying to do and who we're serving. And it, yes, it does have a support button link. We're we'd happy if people want to click on that and get involved. And then he's even mentioned further conversations of how we can potentially be involved with their tour. And, and I know a lot of their stops are correlate very well with military golf. Right, right. And for example, the one he mentioned right out of the gate at our meeting was Naval Station Mayport is right next door to the Web.com Championship, which is hosted at Atlantic Beach. So that right there, that fit nicely with our inaugural upgrade. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Wow, that would be a huge exposure for you to help move your needle there. I know that you just got your social media channels up and running here. And I'm assuming that as you start to build out at Mayport there, that you're going to be posting pictures to keep everybody up to date on what's going on. But perhaps you can let our listeners know what your social media handles are. Yep. we uh, Our Twitter is at RealOSMG. And we are also on Instagram, Operation Support Military Golf, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Good stuff. And in the show notes for your episode, I will include all of those links for our listeners to make it easy to connect with you. And hey, if you have any pictures already as a before Jennifer, please send those to me because I can actually include those in the show notes pre-construction. And then in a few months time, perhaps you can send me some after so we can do a little compare and contrast so our listeners can see firsthand the amazing work that you are poised to unleash on that very fortunate golf course. Actually, Colin, I'll, I'll add a little to that. If everyone does go to our website, you can see those very things. We have a section called Projects, Past, Present, Future. Past was a golf event we hosted to raise funds and awareness because we didn't have a course done. Our present is pictures of needs for Mayport, as well as exemplifying the beauty of Mayport that we're trying to bring out as well. And then in future, you'll see pictures of McDill's needs combined with the beauty of it as well. And, and I really just would like to add this. I wanted people to see both because I don't want people to think this is a lost cause or it's unfixable. There's so much beauty associated with these courses too, but there's definitely areas in need of work. And the, and the beauty has a lot to do with just where they're located. I mean, our military bases are on primo land in this country, and so some of the views are amazing, but the man-made stuff, not so much, maybe. Right. <laughs> and so that's that. And then on the, there's one other section that has just a scrolling of pictures that really show mm -hmm. the kind of upgrades we're looking at doing overall. But in that section, we choose not to list the names of the specific facilities, and that's out of respect. Right. We need people to see what the needs are but we do not want to disrespect our military because they're, they're doing what they can. Of course, of course. Well, you've already done all that work of getting all that imagery up there with a story in the backdrop. So I'm an extremely lazy person. <laughs> so you just saved me all that extra work that I just promised to do. So I'll just include the links and I can uh, go back to, uh, to work on my golf game. So everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> Good go. stuff. So, hey, Jennifer Poth, founder, chairman, and CEO of Operation Support Military Golf. It has been a pleasure to speak with you once again. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. I really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough, Colin, and I can't thank your listeners and their willingness to spend their time. I know time is limited nowadays in listening and, and hearing both of us and our story. Well, you have such a great story to tell, and I thank you again for sharing that with you today. So, Jennifer, thanks so much, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. So, so take care. Absolutely. I'm counting on it. 
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with OSMG founder and CEO Jennifer Poth, where we learned about her vision to upgrade all U.S. military golf facilities, allowing past, present, and future service members and their families to rediscover a sense of pride and purpose through the game she loves. If you want to learn more about Operation Support Military Golf, go to www.operationsupportmilitarygolf.org where you can see the meaningful work that they are doing to revive the golf courses that revitalize our heroes. Thanks again to our Season 4 sponsor partners Golf Tech, Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks for helping make the Mod Golf Podcast happen. And don't forget about your Golf Tech offer for $50 off both a swing evaluation and tech fit club fitting, which you can redeem at www.golftech.com forward slash modgolf. Join me next week when I speak with Jay Karen, who is the CEO of the National Golf Course Owners Association. Running a golf course is not for the faint of heart because you have so many demands and to choose where you'd spend your money is a difficult decision. But I think the climate is different now than it was just 10 years ago for the adoption and open-mindedness towards change and entrepreneurial ideas. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more of our golf innovation stories at www.mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.